Hey guys, it's Lana and welcome back for another episode of Seeing Other People. Today we have a very hot, spicy, controversial topic to talk about. Not really controversial, though I guess everyone's going to have different opinions on it. But today we are talking all about divorce and what to do if you decide you want to get divorced and how to most importantly, kind of build a relationship and and get into a marriage where you're not going to have to approach the subject of divorce and go through that process. And to help with this conversation or really to bring this conversation into the episode, we are talking to Kate Anthony. She is the host of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. She is a certified divorce coach with over 10 years of experience, I think 12 years. Um, and she has so much experience helping specifically women figure out whether they should stay or leave their marriage that they're in. And she has so much amazing advice for us on how to really set ourselves up for success so that we don't have to get divorced and what to do in our relationships, specifically in like the period after getting engaged and before getting married so that us and our partners are on the same page and we're aligned in all the things that we want. And she is awesome. She has a really cool history that I can't wait for you guys to hear about. Um, I truly fangirled when she came on the recording, but Kate is so awesome. And this episode is really great and really informative. Obviously, I know most of you listening to this are not married and you're not considering getting a divorce. But like I said, I think there's a lot of really crucial information that we need to hear so that we can prepare and we can know exactly what to do and not to do so that we can avoid getting divorced and we can keep that divorce rate going down. So stay tuned right now. We are bringing Kate Anthony in. It's going to be an awesome episode and I'm super excited for you guys to hear it. It is Friendsgiving season and I have the perfect thing for you to bring to your Friendsgiving dinners so that you don't have to worry about, oh my God, what am I going to bring? Oh my God, I'm so busy with work or I've been going on so many dates. I haven't even thought about what I'm going to make or bring to Friendsgiving. I got you covered. Batter that matters. Those are the three words you need to know because you're going to go to ourbattermatters.com and you are going to fill up your cart with the fall collection or with any other cookies that your taste buds desire. And you're going to use code seeing other people because that's going to get you 10% off. And you are going to be the best guest at your friend's giving dinner because batter that matters cookies are amazing. And don't worry if you or any of the other people coming to your friend's giving are vegan or gluten-free, batter that matters also has cookies that they can eat and will love and they will literally think that you are the best person ever for thinking of them and for bringing them cookies that they can enjoy because a lot of the time they can't. So head to ourbattermatters.com. Don't forget seeing other people is the code for 10% off and also follow them on Instagram because they post amazing cookies that will make you happy when you see them in your feed at batter that matters. All right. And we are here with Kate Anthony. And Kate, I'm so excited to have you here. You know, I just kind of fangirled a bit. So <laughs> why don't we, why don't you introduce yourself to the Seeing Other People family? Let everyone know who you are and what you do. Awesome. Um, well, my name is Kate Anthony, um, otherwise known as the Divorce Survival Guide. And I am a coach for women, um, usually moms, but um, you know, not always, who are either trying to decide whether to stay in or leave their uh, marriages or their relationships. Um, and I also help guide people through the divorce process from a, from a sort of coaching perspective, which is helps sort of with the psycho-emotional stuff, along with the logistics and the strategy and, and all of those things, um, especially when there are kids involved, because, you know, I don't really care, honestly, how you do your divorce if you don't have kids, because... The, the legal system likes to kind of put them in the middle. So mm -hmm. that's what I care about. But I mean, I do care if you don't have kids too, because I don't want you destroyed. Um, <laughs> there's like, there's no reason for that. So, um, so yeah, that's what I, I love do. That. Yeah. I see like, to me, I wouldn't even have thought like, oh, if I'm married and considering getting divorced, like there's somebody specifically for that, that I could talk to. So that's amazing that yes. you are that person. Yes. And you know, it's a really important, right? Because I forgot to mention, I'm also, I also have a podcast. <laughs> also a little thing. Um, I have a podcast called the divorce survival God podcast. So, um, but yes, there is a, it, and it's really important because, oh my gosh, right? Like if you don't, if you're just like talking to a therapist who really doesn't specialize in divorce or doesn't really know anything about divorce or, mm -hmm. you know, um, then like you're kind of not, 
I don't know, you're not really covered or taken care of um, in the same way that you would be if you have someone who's actually A, been through it and B, specializes in this. Like this is what I do literally 24 hours a day. Yeah. You are truly the expert on divorce. <laughs> truly am, for better or worse. <laughs> yes. Well, how did you get into this? Um, yeah. So, um, as you know, I was an actor. <laughs> I know. Um, so oh, I know. <laughs> we had a little a little fangirl moment. Um, so I was an actor for 30 years. Um, I started very young. I'm not that old. Um, I started on, I like to say that my my career kind of bookended for with five years on Sesame Street and then and then five years on Grey's Anatomy. And that was, and then there was a lot of stuff in between, but those were sort of, that was the beginning and end. Those are the brackets. You know, um, there's, it's funny because when somebody watches Sesame Street to when somebody watches Grey's Anatomy, there's also a lot of stuff in between. So maybe I saw you on both. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so, so there's, so, you know, when my marriage fell apart, I was on Grey's, but I was also a stay at home mom, right? I was not mm. on Grey's full time. I was not a series regular, but I, I recurred. Um, I was a nurse. I was on it for like a good long time. And I knew that continuing to be an actor, like I was, I mean, for, in many ways I was done, right? I had done everything I wanted to do. I had done, I, the creative experience for me had been, you know, at that point, 30 years long. And yeah. I was kind of ready for something else. And as a divorced mom living in Los Angeles, going to auditions and like dragging my three-year-old to like on like two hour car rides. Cause like, by the way, like callbacks in LA are always like at six o'clock. And if you know anything about LA traffic, it's a holy, can we curse yep. on your show? Oh, can please. I? Especially <laughs> about feeling, LA traffic. Right, right. Especially <laughs> about <laughs> exactly. LA traffic. It's a fucking nightmare. So <laughs> I was like, not going to throw my kid, my three-year-old in a car to go to like a commercial callback like three, like three hours in rush hour traffic. Like I just was not going to do that. I always say like the, the cost benefit traffic analysis, like just did not add up. Um, and like I said, I was ready, I was ready to reinvent myself. And in many ways, to be honest, leaving an emotionally abusive relationship, um, in my marriage, I also left a lot of other emotionally abusive relationships that was in my friendships and also my career. When you're an actor, very often, you know, you are in an emotional abusive, emotionally abusive relationship with the entertainment industry, especially in LA. It's a cruel and bitter beast and it's very abusive to actors. And so I, I was done with that. I was done with that in all areas of my life. And so I then became sort of the go-to person, like, how did you guys do this? How did you get from this like super volatile, super emotionally abusive marriage to like this really good co-parenting relationship? And you guys are friends. Like, how did that happen? Um, and so as my friends got divorced after us, they would come to me and ask. And finally I was like, I should probably go and get like some training in this yeah. and some certification. <laughs> Maybe I can charge for it. Maybe I can like make this my new career. And you know, 12 and a half years later, that's where we're at. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. All it takes is like the, Oh, maybe I can do this thing. And then that's right. some time in between. Yeah. Right. A little bit of time in between. Yeah, exactly. And when I first started divorce coaching, there was no such thing. Like I was one of the first people doing this and people were like, I don't get it. And I was like, no, it's important. And like, you know, yeah. it took like 10 years. Now there's like a certification for it. There's all sorts of stuff. So yeah. All right. So I have a bunch of questions for you. I feel like we're going to bounce around a lot. So cool. bear with me. But first, I just have to ask, like, why, why is everyone getting divorced? Why are divorce rates higher than ever? If that's even true, are they higher than ever? And what is it about like the world we live in right now and relationships that divorces are so common? Hmm, such a good question. Well, actually, the divorce rate is falling only because... We love that. The marriage rate is falling. Oh. <laughs> People are not getting married, especially, you know, millennials and younger. Yeah. They're like, I don't think this is a good, <laughs> such a good idea. Um, I don't think this whole marriage thing, I don't know, works. And like, they're right very often, right? Like it's, you know, so, so it, so it is falling and that's great. And, um, 
you know, in the pandemic, it's skyrocketed for those who are already married, right? Like it's skyrocketed. And that's because, you know, I think a lot of us, we can sort of sweep things under the rug. We can kind of pretend they're not happening when like you go to work, I go to work, we sort of satellite parent, we're like not in the same space all the time, or I can kind of deal with your issues that make me crazy. Um, when we're not together 24 seven and then as soon as that happened, people were like, Whoa, <laughs> like, like I, I can't actually can't stand this human being. I actually can't stand this human being. And, um, you know, incidents of domestic violence went up, right. um, and, you know, emotional abuse is a form of domestic violence. And I deal with that a lot in my practice more so than I ever thought I would, Um, It's not what I set out to do, but it is a majority of the work that I do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that is a function of, you know, we have an entire system that is um, uh, supported by, um, you know, this this whole patriarchal structure that is sort of, um, you know, the, the underpinning of it is, you know, white male toxic masculinity, right? So we've got a lot of men who don't know how to process emotions other than to be aggressive, Mm -hmm. um, with women in particular. And we've got a lot of women who were raised to believe that that's totally normal and perfectly fine. Right. And we're at a very, you know, a huge shifting point in our culture around that, um, with visibility with, um, I think, if I may, the last president, last president, um, the last administration where this stuff got so heightened, like it was not, it was not no longer, you know, the racism was no longer like buried or covert. The narcissism was no longer covert. Like suddenly it was like, it was playing out on the national stage. Right. And if, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you, if you look at, um, internal family systems, right. Or systems theory, you know, some things that are unheard voices in a system that are unheard get louder and louder and louder until they are like in your face and exploding. And I think that the fact that as a system nationally and culturally, we were ignoring certain things like racism, um, toxic masculinity, all of those things, they just rose to the surface and were like, Hey, we're here. And so now we're reckoning with that. Now we're seeing it more. And then we have the internet and we have things like Gabby Petito, where we can look at this and go, hey, this is literally like, here you go, textbook. You know, uh, the traffic stop to me was horrifying because it is textbook emotional abuse, you know, all the symptoms right in their face and the cops missed it. Yeah. I could go on. We can go on and on and on down that road. But, you know, so we're seeing it now playing out before us. And so we can have a different relationship to it. Definitely. One question on when it comes to emotional abuse, and you said you're dealing with it way more than you ever expected. In most cases, obviously, there's always exceptions. But do you think the abuser knows that they are emotionally abusing somebody? That's such a great question. I get that that all the time. that and then if they, whether or not they know, like, is that their intention? Yeah. So there's, there's, there are, I think, intentional abusers and unintentional abusers. Like intentional abusers are, are fairly rare because they're basically sociopaths, right? Mm-hmm. Or psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, uh, God, I think the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath is that like a psychopath knows that what they're doing is wrong. A sociopath is, is, less aware because they just don't feel the feelings. Right. Right. Like, um, so, so that's like, I think the ones that are really aware are far rarer and, and more dangerous. Yeah. Most emotional abusers are people who have suffered, suffered trauma in their childhood. Um, they have the, a narcissistic wound. They are, they're deeply damaged and, the trap that 
that that so many people fall into when they're victims of it is that they're like, oh, but it's his wounding. Oh, but it's his childhood. Oh, but it's because, right? And here's the deal. It's still not your fucking job to heal that. Um, yeah. It's not your fucking job to take that on because you- But will- we love doing it, Don't Kate. We? we love trying yeah. to fix people. <laughs> and we're so, and we're so bad at it. Because it's not our, like, we are the exact wrong person, right? If you're in that kind of sort of, you know, certainly trauma bonded relationship with someone, but if you're in that kind of like, you know, narcissist codependent, like fawning, I'm going to make it better. And, you know, you're the only one who can heal me. First of all, you're the last person that can heal them, right? Mm -hmm. They, it has to be them. And secondly, when it doesn't work because it can't, <laughs> because it won't, because it can't, then you're the fucking problem. And then it ratchets up the abuse, right? right? Then the resentment that you didn't fix me gets like compounds the abuse. Like it's so much worse, right? So yeah. look, if someone if you go to someone and you're like, actually what you're doing is hurting me and they go, oh my God, that's my childhood wounding. Hold, give me a minute. Let me go to therapy and work on my shit. Like, cool. Right. But if the response is, I know it's my childhood wounding. It's just because this, and if you would just do this, then I would run. Yeah. No bueno. We don't like that. No uh-uh. bueno. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And then, yeah, I think it makes sense. Like you said, it's like all these things are now, we they're way more talked about. Whereas 10, 20 years ago, like me, they were being swept under the rug. And now That's it's right. like, you can't ignore it. And we're recognizing it, not just for ourselves, but for our friends and our family members of like, we're noticing if they're in unhealthy situations and and mentioning that to them. And then when someone like brings it to your attention, it's really hard to ignore and you can try, but eventually it will really like erupt. (laughs) Right. And you know what? It, it, I love that people your age are having this conversation. I love that you are doing what you're doing and having these conversations that, that the younger generations are listening to. Like, this is, this makes me like, like I would love to be put out of business. <laughs> Truly. I mean, give me like another 10 years or Challenge something. Like, accepted. It's fine. like, I need some, like, I need, I need a little bit of retirement, but like, it would make me happy if, if there was a cultural shift right. that women, and it's, and unfortunately, look, there are women who abuse men as well. But the statistics are, because before we get the not all men people coming in here, um, statistics bear out that mm-hmm. something like 85% um, of victims of abuse are women. So yeah. if not more. So, you know, the statistics are there. And so for women to like get educated about this and start recognizing the signs and putting a stop to this, he- here's the thing. It, it, puts it forces men to actually reckon with themselves and do their own work which by the way we want for them yeah that's the thing we beg beg right like you this is not anti-male rhetoric when i talk about this like oh my when i talk about toxic masculinity which i think needs a rebrand because i think men hear it and they're like "Mm, men are toxic like no 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 right (laughs) we're saying that you hate men like no no i love men you guys aren't like (laughs) Your guys are just not stepping up to your full potential by being able to like hold your, um, you know, hold all the possibilities for yourselves by like actually addressing your trauma. And it's not, it's not pussy shit. It's not, you know, it's important. There's nothing braver or hotter than a dude who's done his work. Truly. 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 Wow. That's, that's the clip right there. (laughs) Okay. So, all right. So now we know why like divorce rates are high though, though they're dropping. Um, uh, that's one major theme, but, um, let's kind of pivot to when somebody comes to you, like, let's say I'm, I'm married. I've been married. I, we can, we can pretend I have a kid. Sure. Sure. She, she's great. She's a lovely girl in in kindergarten. (laughs) She's doing great. Got a great, uh, parent teacher conference. 
that happened last week. Um, but I'm not sure that I'm happy in my relationship. I'm not sure that this marriage is working. I come to you. How does this work? How do you help somebody decide if they should stay or they should go? And, and for anyone listening, obviously this doesn't just pertain to marriage. Like this is like relative to any relationship that you're in. It's a really big decision to make. Absolutely. And I would say that most of my, most of my work centers around cis hetero relationships Mm -hmm. because so many of these dynamics of patriarchal, you know, all of that stuff is mostly present in cis hetero relationships. So I think it's important to say that. Um, However, I have, there are a lot of, I've got a, a good handful of lesbians in my group um, in my mm-hmm. Facebook group, who are actually seeing the same dynamics play out in their relationships, because again, this is the this is the system that we all live in, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so the first thing I do, so I have an online program called Should I Stay or Should I Go, and the first ask, the first part of that is you, right? The first part is let's look at you and your work and your trauma and your childhood wounding and your um, relationship mapping, all of that stuff, right? Because what we tend to do is be like, he's this, he's this, he's this, he's this, right? And I'm like, okay, who are you in this relationship? How did Mm -hmm. you choose this relationship? You know? Um, And so to shift the focus away from the other person and onto ourselves, that's the first thing. And then the second aspect is the more cultural stuff and like breaking down like the mental load and all of these things, because at the end of the day, if we get rid of him and then we replace him with something you know similar but different like what's the point especially if it's right. systemic yeah right so there's that aspect that we look at all of that sort of cultural conditioning around like how we choose our partners and the fairy tales and and all of that bullshit um and then we break down you know what is abuse you know, are you being abused if this is abuse, right? Or is, or, you know, is he a narcissist or is he just an asshole, <laughs> right? Because like, right. everyone's divorcing a narcissist right now, by the way. Um, uh, so they say. Um, but, and then we look at the interpersonal, right? Communication styles, attachment styles, how you are actually communicating in your relationship. What does a healthy relationship even look like? Most of us don't even know. Um, And sort of by the end of that process, it becomes very clear. Do people ever come to you as a couple and not just as one person? Um, I don't work with couples anymore. Um, I used to. I was trained to work with couples, but it's just not something that I do in my practice anymore. Got it. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's say it becomes clear, like, yes, I I need to get a divorce. How do I do that? What is the process? What things are at risk? What do you have to consider? How the hell does it happen? Yeah. And, and how does it happen where it it's like it happens in a good way? Like we have this yes. this adorable Susie together. How do we make sure that Susie gets what she needs and has two loving parents? Like how does this all work? Yeah. So when Susie. we get when we do <laughs> Susie. <laughs> Why was that the name that came to mind? <laughs> It's so, it's so like 1952. I don't know. Um, so there, okay. So the first thing that people say is like, okay, so now you're going to get a divorce. You better lawyer up. Right. And that is the last thing you should do. It's not the last thing you should do, but it is certainly not the first. Okay. (laughs) Um, so the first thing you should do is take a pause. Like this is big. And what happens when you're getting divorced is that you're making the biggest legal and financial decisions of your entire life in the middle of the biggest emotional upheaval of your entire life. And it's a terrible combination and you do not want to mix those. So you want to process the emotional aspects of this first. And and look, if you're the one who decided that you wanted the divorce, you have to remember, you've probably been processing for all this time. And no matter how many times you've told your partner that this is coming when it actually happens, it's going to be news to them. <laughs> so you want to give them the time and the emotional space to process. So you don't want to be like, hey, so I want to get a divorce. So I called a lawyer and we have a meeting next Friday. Like, bad idea, right? 
And the first thing that the other person may do is they're going to freak out. They're going to get angry. They're going to go through all the stages of grief. They're going to start negotiating. They're going to threaten you. They're going to threaten you with taking little Susie away from you, right? <laughs> You're going to no, freak out. Not, not Susie. Susie. <laughs> um, and you want to give like everybody time to chill, <laughs> right? Just chill. And then you want to start thinking about what would it be to put Susie at the center of every decision that you make, because the court system, as I said, the court system kind of banks on, uh, if you're going to be litigious about this, Susie's the, Susie's the bargaining chip mm-hmm. and she's the pawn. And so we want to protect her at all costs. And the way that we protect our children is by putting them at the center of all of our decisions, ne- never in the middle. We get our egos out of the way. You know, there are decisions that I made in my divorce that, you know, weren't in quote, my best interest, but were definitely in my son's best interest. Mm -hmm. And so I had to concede certain things that I maybe wouldn't have wanted to concede had my ego been in charge, um, but that were better for my son. And so, but you need to get you need to like get the angerness, the bitterness, all of that out of the way before you can get to that place. Right. Yeah. Cause if I'm sure if you're filled with emotions, of course, you're not going to be making those right decisions. And then it could that's totally right. come to like bite you in the ass later. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's the first thing you want to do. The second thing you want to do then is get educated, right? You want to consult with an attorney just have a consultation. You do not put down a retainer because the second you retain an attorney, this becomes a fight because mm-hmm. that's their, that's their job, right? They're preparing. Right. An attorney is always preparing for trial. That's their job just in case it goes there. Right. And so it suddenly becomes a battle between your attorney, their attorney. So consult an attorney so that you learn the laws in your state. Divorce laws vary state to state. They vary county to county. So you want to know you know, I have a friend who is panicking right now because she is, she is, you know, thinking of getting a divorce. She's probably getting a divorce. She needs to get a divorce, but she's, she's made up this story in her head about like how she's going to be, you know, poverty stricken living in a, like, you know, a, a crappy apartment in like a shitty neighborhood, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, honey, that's actually not how the laws in California work. Like, right. Based on what I know of his income, you should be getting this much a month just in spousal support. And she was like, oh, really? <laughs> I was like, Wait, yeah. There's such thing as spousal support? Yeah, absolutely. What? Well, she's been a stay-at-home mom. She hasn't worked in 10 years, you know? Wow, so yeah. absolutely. Okay. Yep. There is. Listen, for your younger audience, this is this is my opportunity to tell you guys, do not ever stop working. Do not ever give over financial agency to another human being ever. It is the biggest mistake we make. It is it's the fantasy. It's the, you know, it's the real housewives and I get to stay home and I get to be pampered and all, whatever. What or I get to raise my kids, right? Because I'm the nurturer. Right. And like, that's what I, no, no. Giving over financial agency to another human is the most disempowering thing that women can do. And as I said, we're taught that it's, you know, some, something to aspire to. Right. And it's, it's so damaging. And I think fewer, I think, I think most women of your generation are like, what? (laughs) But well, not always. it's interesting because like I'm, I'm at an age, I'm 20, I'm 27 and I have friends who are now getting engaged, getting married and friends who were single, who are now getting into serious relationships. And it really is interesting to take a step back and like, kind of think about everyone I know who's in a relationship. And there are some people who like, like I know that them and their partner are concerned about like their financials and like how they're going to afford to have kids and afford the things that they want. Like Mm -hmm. I, we, most of my friends come from a very like a a wealthy communities and they grew up a certain way and they want to live that way. And so it's obviously like a thing on people's mind. But then I also have friends who are now like dating or engaged to people or getting married to people whose families are incredibly wealthy. And of course it's a thought in their mind that like, great, like they will never have to work a day in their lives. And it's like, Ooh, it's, 
It's so complicated because like, yeah. yes, that'd, that'd be so great to have that safety net and to know that you're going to get that house in the Hamptons that you've always wanted and not have to worry about a thing. But it's like, do you want to just give up everything that you've worked for it like already and, and right. everything that, that keeps you going? I don't know. It's so confusing and it's such a bizarre thing to think about. Yeah. Well, I will say that. So from, from the future, right. And the person who works with people in those circumstances often, um, what I see in the very wealthy who don't, who decide not to work, you know, if you look, if you don't work and you've got your own money, like when you, if, when, and if you get divorced, you're kind of covered. Right. Right. Um, and working is such a, it, it gives you a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who is, you know, in married to a woman who is, was incredibly wealthy, massive trust fund, like, you know, multi, multi, multi-million dollar family, uh, money. And she's suffers from chronic depression and anxiety because she has no sense. She has no sense of self and right. And like, she's never had to do anything. She's never had to work, but she's also never had anything of her own. Um, and she is currently working at a boutique clothing store and she's never been happier. Yeah. Right. Like she doesn't have to, but like it gives her a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I, I recommend that people always have something, even if it's a foundation, right? Like something, but on the other side of that, are the, are women who may marry into, you know, marry someone who has more money or whatever, and then they choose not to work and they choose to opt out of working because they quote, don't have to. Um, and again, it leaves them with very little agency. It actually traps, can trap them into relationships that they're afraid to leave because they don't have anything. Right. It's again, it's giving up your agency. It's giving up your power. And it can be really dangerous. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay, so. Oh, so how does it work? So we're back to like, how does divorce work? Right. So you want to get, you want to have a consultation with an attorney to find out your rights, right? Like, are you going to get spousal support, child support? Um, Is it a fault or no fault? So all states in the union are, quote, no fault, which means that like, you basically file irreconcilable differences. Like, you know, we didn't get along. You don't have to prove, you used to have to prove and this again is like an ancient patriarchal bullshit, you know, holdover that you had to prove that, you know, uh, abandonment or, um, you know, infidelity or anything like that. Right now mm-hmm. you can just get divorced cause you fucking want to get divorced. <laughs> right. There are some States in which there is all, there are the options for a fault clause. Um, And most of the time they're not applicable, right? So you don't need to go into your attorney and be like, he cheated on me and he did this and he did this. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but get educated, know your financial picture. This is like the biggest thing is that, especially with women, it's like, oh, he takes care of the money. I don't really know how much we have, or, you know, I don't know. Find out, Mm -hmm. get the balances for all of your accounts um, find, get your last three years tax returns and know how much there is. So when you go into a consultation with an attorney, you actually have the information to say, this is how much, you know, we made in the last three years. This is how much we have in all of our accounts because most States are 50, 50 or an equitable distribution. And you want to know how much you get to have (laughs) right in this case. Um, so, so, Processing the emotions and then consulting an attorney and getting educated. That's the, that's the beginning. Um, you know, and then there's a long, long list of things that happens after that, which I also have a program for. Yeah. <laughs> you have FYI. it all. I do. Yeah. All right, you guys, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we are officially in November. And this month, Mindset Wellness CBD and seeing other people are teaming up to encourage you to feel healthy and be healthy and be physically and mentally healthy and feeling well and feeling balanced. And of course, there are a lot of different things we can do to get that. But one thing that will help is Mindset Wellness CBD's health gummies. I know we've talked about the Focus gummies. We've talked about the Calm gummies. 
And now it is time to talk about the health gummies. They actually have ingredients and then that encourage an enhanced wellness experience. And they're really set up to help you feel like your best self. And that is, of course, all we want. So definitely head to MindsetWellness.com. Grab your health gummies. Of course, they're vegan, organic, non-GMO, gluten-free. And they taste amazing and leave you feeling amazing. Grab yours today. So, okay. So talking about all of the financials and figuring out like the assets and everything Mm -hmm. that definitely makes me wonder what your thoughts are on prenups and if they are recommended. And if so, like, how do you even, how do you bring up that conversation? And what if like one person wants one and the other doesn't, what do you do? Yeah. So, um, I'm not an expert on this cause I'm not a legal professional, but, um, I just talked to a friend of mine who is a legal professional about this. And you go. know, what she says is they're more and more common actually. Um, the thing about a prenup is that you want it to be something that you guys talk about together early on. This is not something to be discussed a week before your wedding, mm-hmm. right? It should be discussed like right after the engagement so that the entire process is moved into, um, it's part of the process. It's not like an addendum to the process, right? And, um, you know, you can, I think you can pretty much put anything in a prenup that you want, but it has, it should be from, it should be from both of you, not your parents being like, you know, make sure that, you know what I mean? And like two, you get this and that you're good with that. Yeah. Right. And also, by the way, you know, a prenup can be, um, sort of overturned if it was entered into under duress or at the last minute, like you've got everything paid for the catering to the church. You've got, you know, the invitations are out, people are coming. And then all of a sudden someone's like, Oh, and by the way, sign this prenup you're not really at choice mm-hmm. in that moment. Um, and so it ca- it could be overturned by a court later on um, or by a judge. So, um, you know, look, I think, I think they're, they're a good idea to, because here's what I think about prenups really is that they should be a part of the process of all premarital counseling. And I think premarital counseling is something that we don't do enough in mm-hmm. our society I think that we go into into marriage with in such a fairy tale state that we don't think about the hard things and we don't ask the hard questions. And so I think, you know, people do premarital counseling which is like one or two um sit-downs with the you know, the priest or whoever's marrying you. Right. Um but it could it should be like I would say like a 6 month long intense therapeutic process. Yeah. Um, and a prenup can come out of that and that would be advised, right? That would, that would be smart and it would, and it would make sense. Yeah. And I feel like some people would hear that and they're like, Oh, but like, we don't need that. We're so like strong and we got it all figured out. But it's like, you're just, you're, you're building on that foundation and Mm -hmm. worst, worst case scenario you find out that you and this person actually are not meant to build lives together. Right. Best case scenario, which is also the best case scenario because then you don't get married to somebody that you shouldn't get married to and then have a kid with them and then have to get divorced. Exactly. And best case scenario, you have talked about the hard things. So I have a friend who went through premarital counseling and I was, I was sort of grilling her on like, okay, tell me everything that, that this, you know, that this guy was asking. She's like, it was the hardest thing. And she said, you know, I didn't, there, we have so many assumptions. They'd been together for, for years when -hmm. they got married. So they thought like, oh, well, we just agree on everything, obviously. And then they get in there and he's like, and the guy's like, so how, you know, down to like things that might seem obvious where she was like, they were like, do you want to raise your kids, you know, in a religion? Right. And neither of them practiced any religion. And so they were like, she was like, no, of course not. And he was like, uh, well, yeah, definitely for sure. I mean, you know, my family's Catholic and I was raised Catholic and I want to raise our kids Catholic. And she was like, wait, what? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. we've literally like never gone to mass together. What is happening? Right. And so, and he was an addict and he was clean and the, they had to have the really hard conversations about what happens if he drinks. What happens if he starts taking pills? And they like mapped out a contingency plan for these things, like really hard conversations that again, when we're engaged and we're planning our wedding and it's a fairy tale, we don't want to think about. Right. 
But she said, you know, there were moments where she was like, oh, wow, I don't know that I can do this. Yeah. You know, and by the time they got to the altar, they had a plan for their life together. Yeah. And they were prepared and they knew like we are getting married and we are making this work. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I want for everyone. Yeah. Wow. For sure. Okay. Right? 100%. So, all right, let's switch gears again because mm-hmm. I I want to keep talking Good. about this, but there's so much else that I want to cover. Um, yeah. So when it, I want to talk a little bit about like dating after getting divorced. Yes. <laughs> um. Yes. <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind is like how and and when do you tell somebody that you've been divorced and how oh, right do you away. like have have that conversation right away? Okay. Well, it's in most of it's in most of our dating profiles, right? Like it's a box that you check. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a it's look, it's not like to me, to people of my age, first of all, like I frankly don't want to date someone who's never been married. Like to me it's an asset. To me, knowing that someone has been married and has actually had a long-term relationship and been committed and has kids and has had to live their life for, you know, outside of themselves and have gone through all that stuff, that to me is important. Mm -hmm. So um, it should be in your dating profile. Um, If you just meet someone in in the organic way, which do we do that anymore? Um, (laughs) We dream of it. We dream of it. Only at night when we're asleep. (laughs) What even is that? Um, you know, I would, I would, I would say right away, you know, like, yeah, I think it's still, look, it's like, it's part of who you are, right? It's part of, it's a, it's an important part of who you are. It's not something to hide. It's certainly not something to be like on date four or five, be like, oh, just by the way, (laughs) like, no, 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 this is fundamental. Same thing with kids. Right. right. Like, yeah, I know I, that's a really big question is like, do I tell people like on my dating app profile that I have kids or yes. whatnot? And it's like, yeah, you want to, yeah. you want to know that the people you're talking to are accepting of the fact that you have kids. Cause right. why would you want to go like waste your time and their time if they have no interest in dating somebody with kids? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This is, this is not something to hide or be ashamed of, or like sneak in later, or like sneak attack. Like, no, no, no. Like, this is who you are. And this is like, right. I'm, I like long walks on the beach. I do, you know, beach yoga. I hike, I bike, which is like everybody's profiles. Right. Um, I shoot tigers like, and I have kids. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's gotta, it's gotta come up right off the bat for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so if like, okay, let's say it's not, let's say some people choose to not put it on their dating app profile, but they're on a first date. It's like, Oh, what's dating been like for you? Or like, what are you looking for right now? Do you just say like, I actually, I was previously married. We got divorced. Like, how do you Mm -hmm. approach that conversation? Is it just like that? Yeah, sure. I mean, if someone says, I mean, look, I'm also a big fan always of be super honest, right? So you know, if you are recently divorced and you want to just get out in here. Okay. So let's answer the when question, right? So when should you start dating? Right. First of all, you can start dating immediately as long Mm -hmm. as you are dating, because if you're getting out of a long-term relationship, as we all know, you're not ready to be in another relationship. Right. And so many of us go out, you know, myself included, especially like those of us who are like a little bit codependent, we're like, oh, I'll just get another one. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. um, but you're not really in your right mind. Like divorce is a trauma and you're not quite in your right mind. And so go yeah. out and date, experience, experience people finding you attractive again, experience feeling good about yourself again, by all means. Mm-hmm. Do all the dating you want, have all the sex you want. Be really honest about where you're at, right? Yeah. Say, hey, just so you know, um, I'm recently divorced and I'm really looking to explore like life again. And so I'm not looking for a commitment. I'm just looking, I'm just, I'm here to date and get to know myself and get to know, get to know some new people. Yeah. And it's okay if they say like, uh, you know what, like that's great for you, but that's not, that doesn't align with what I'm looking for right now. Like that, that's fine. Then you're just, it's great. again, like you're sparing them. That's right. Uh, like negative emotions that they would end up feeling later on. You're sparing yourself like a stressful, dramatic experience. Like just be honest and accept what the other person says. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Like you, you want to know that if they're like, Oh, that's, that's really great for you. I'm really looking for a long-term relationship. You're not a match. Done. Exactly. 
Yeah. So, okay. So on the flip side of that, let's say I go on a first date and somebody tells me that they are divorced. And to me, that's something that I was not expecting. Like, I don't really, I haven't really thought about it because I'm like, I'm 27, you know, but it does happen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I've also know people who like, they have to go on dates and be like, yeah, like I was engaged and it got called off and stuff like how... How should you, I guess, respond to that information? Like, what is the best thing to say? How much can you ask or should you ask? Just because I feel like we end up in these situations where we don't expect to end up in them, but then it happens and and we want to be prepared. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think get curious, right? And say like, do you mind telling me what happened, right? <laughs> I remember I went on a date with a guy when I was re- re- like, you know, really newly divorced And we were at dinner, first of all, like first date, it was Valentine's day. And we went to dinner in Malibu. Like, I don't know what I was thinking again, newly divorced, new with this, like, right. And we're like getting our appetizers. And I was like, so what happened? You know, Mm -hmm. and he was like, I don't know. She had a psychotic break best. I can figure it. And I was like, Oh, Okay. So in like the, the three years since you've been divorced, like the best you can figure is that she must've had a psychotic break. (laughs) Yeah. That's not a good sign. No. So, well, exactly. Right. So you may not want to ask for all the details, but you can sort of get curious and just be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, like, like, first of all, when was it? Like, how long ago was that? Right. Because Mm -hmm. if it was last month, (laughs) this is not a person who's going to be ready for a relationship. Right. Um, and, and then, then you can say like, Oh, so does that mean you're like, you're not looking for a relationship. You're just looking, you're just ready, you know, dating or whatever. Um, and you can say, you know what? Oh, do you, do you mind sharing what happened? Right. Like, yeah. And if they're like, you know, I'm not, they could be like, I'm not ready to talk about that. Right. Because, you know, talking about exes on a first date is often like kind of taboo and, I don't know. It's not that much taboo, of a turn on. But I'm all for it. <laughs> well, you get a lot of information, right? Because yep. if they if they trash talk their ex and if they're just like she was a bitch and she was this and she was that, you're like, yeah. gotcha. Right. Yeah, then exactly. you know a lot about that person. For um sure. and if they're like, Yeah, you know what? It was kind of complicated. It's a it's a long story, but we're doing really, you know, we're communicating really well. Um, we have kids and, you know, we are, we're in a really good place and co-parenting and we have a, we have a good relationship. Then you're like, okay, cool. That's somebody. Right. And by the way, I think a lot of people are threatened by, can be threatened by that, that someone has a good relationship with their ex. And if they have kids, that's a bonus. That is like, you want that. Believe me, they don't want them back. (laughs) Believe me. They've gotten to this point, certainly if they instigated it, like they don't like, or even if they didn't, like if they've gotten this far, yeah, they're, they're good. They're good. This is not a threat. This is like, this is good news. This is somebody who is self-reflective and is, you know, is, is willing to own their shit, <laughs> you yeah, know? A hundred percent. One, one quick question that I just thought of, cause I feel like I, I, and maybe it's in TV or movies, I always feel like I'm seeing situations where somebody meets somebody and it's like they're getting divorced and they're already <sighs> dating, but the divorce is not final yet. Mm-hmm. Is that, is there like, is that ever a good situation? Is there ever a reason to start dating before you get divorced? Is it, sure. a, is, yeah, like, is that sure. okay? Yeah, totally. Like I said, okay. you can get divorced. Like as soon as you separate, like I wouldn't do it while you're still in the same house. And often we, when we get divorced, we have to live together for like a little bit of t- like, you know, when we have the conversation, then there's all sorts of logistics to work out. And right. if there are kids involved, you end up living together, you know, for a good six months. And that's not the time to date. Um, yeah. but it is, um, you know, there are some States in which it is considered adultery to date before you're legally divorced. It is very rare that anyone brings that to, to a judge and like, you know, litigates that that's a, you know, um, but you know, so it's, it's fine to date. Do not think that you're going to get into a long-term committed relationship with someone who is not yet divorced. Um, no matter what they tell you, by the way. Right. Because yeah. they may be like, no, 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 like I got divorced so that I can find this kind of relationship. This is what I wanted. Again, 
They're not thinking with their right mind. They think they are, Mm -hmm. but they're not. They're not able to make that kind of decision. So go ahead and date, but, you know, proceed with caution. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, one last question for you that Mm -hmm. I, something I've I've definitely wondered and and thought of and kind of observed over the last few years that I've been thinking about dating and relationships. Um, in, In your opinion or from what you've seen, are children of divorce more likely to get divorced and to maybe not believe in love and and marriage and all that. Yeah. So the research shows that children, that divorce does not fuck up kids. Like that's the biggest, like that's the biggest fear, right? Like our divorce is going to fuck up our kids. Mm -hmm. What fucks up kids is being put in the middle of a really contentious divorce. Um, you know, being felt like pawns being made to feel like they need to choose between one parent or the other. Like mm-hmm. that's what fucks them up. Yeah. Um, being used as weapons, you know, what also fucks kids up is being raised in toxic environments. So if there is a toxic, uh, relationship that, you know, a lot of parents will be like, but I can stay and I can mitigate it. Or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm protecting them. You're not, you're actually yeah. condoning it. Right. And I think that any, Anyone who's listening who was raised in that environment can attest to that, right? Um, So by getting out, right, you get to show and model to your kids the kind of relationship, you know, whether you get into another relationship or not, you get to show them what what healthy looks like. So, um, so I think people, people who were, you know, whose parents had really contentious divorces, like, yes, sure. They may have all those feelings. Like I never want to get married. Marriage is terrible. Um, you know, or people who were raised in really toxic environments. Um, sure. But if you get out and then you create and provide context and, and healthy, um, you know, images and, you know, even if you don't get remarried and you're actually a healthy, happy person on your own, then like, no, right. You're actually teaching them what a healthy, happy relationship looks like and how to seek it for themselves. And to know that if it, if they're not in one, they can leave. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. The, and the research, the research shows that kids, um, suffer sort of over the long-term effects of divorce on kids is almost, um, it's almost negligible. Um, for kids whose parents sort of quote did divorce right, right? Yeah. That the that's amazing to hear, and yeah. and honestly, I feel like that's surprising to hear because I feel like we we are, tend to hear like oh like this person's parents got divorced, like maybe they have like really fucked up views of love now, like they saw a terrible relationship, but like no, that's that's really great and something I, I want people to take away from this episode that that's definitely a thing out there. <laughs> yep. No, the yeah. research shows that as long as, look, as long as we are doing it in a healthy, constructive way and we're taking responsibility and we're healing our, you know, getting all those of uh, that emotional stuff out of the way, um, before getting into some nasty litigious, you know, situation, yeah. then like, no, your kids are going to do okay. They really yeah. will. Susie's going to be okay. She's going to be great. Susie's going to be just fine. Susie might need a therapist for a little while. And That's she okay. might, you know, most of but us she, do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but Susie's going to be, be great. just fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> amazing. Well, Kate, thank you so, so much for joining us. This has been amazing. I, like I said, I, I thought that I was going to learn a lot in this episode and I 1000 percent did. Oh my God. Um, I'm so happy to, I'm really, I love this conversation. You ask great questions. And we could yeah, go on so forever. Um, where can everyone find you, your work, if they need to talk to you about their marriage? Where can everyone find everything? <laughs> so everything's on my website, kateanthony.com. And uh, my Facebook group is Should I Stay or Should I Go? And that's on Facebook and on oh, Instagram. Really? <laughs> cool. um, and my um, uh, Instagram is Divorce Survival Guide. And uh, my podcast is the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. But Amazing. everything's on my website. 
Love it. And we'll link all that. And we will, yeah, I don't know what I was going to say next, but um, thank you again so much. This has been great. And to everyone who tuned in, thank you for listening. Make sure to give a five-star rating, follow Kate everywhere, check out her podcast, give the Divorce Survival Guide a five-star rating, and I will talk to you guys next time.